Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. For those who do not know, this is a podcast I do here at least monthly in two different forms. First of all, it is available in a video visual form here on YouTube on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, as well as on Odyssey and Rumble. You can also check it out in a audio only form so you can take it around and listen to it wherever the hell you want to, like an actual podcast. Simply look up ModChat, all one word, on your favorite podcasting app host or provider and you should be able to find it. I know it's not available on all sites, but it is available on most of them. Either way, this is a show where I come on here, I kind of do a little bit of a recap of what I've seen recently in the world of video game console modding, video game modding overall, some things that I do find interesting, things that I want to talk about. Sometimes we do a little bit of show and tell, not necessarily a news show here, but some people do treat it as their own source of, I guess, getting a little microcosm of news in the video game modding world. Either way, we do have a few topics we're going to get to here, uh, spanning quite a few systems, I guess we could say. So let's just go ahead and get right into the topics. You know, double checking and looking back at the topics now, uh, we're going to be doing a whole lot of uh, Game Boy stuff, it looks like here, even though this is not Game Boy, but uh, this here is at least being teased right now. This is from Red Herring 32 in which he says, this is Tiny Tindo, a real hardware NES handheld that is the size of the original Game Boy. This is not emulation, it is not a pie, it is not a NOAC, and it is not an FPGA. This is real NES hardware from a real NES. This project will also be open sourced in a few weeks. And he has a video here, which this is just all rotating it around. But it looks like, yeah, this is about the size of a DMG. Oh my god, look at that. Yeah, it has a cartridge that is in place there. It's pretty much the same, you know, kind of form factor and style where you have the D-pad start select uh, A, B up there. And it has, of course, a built-in screen and it's playing the original Super Mario Bros. Scrolling down here a bit, he also says, I will be doing a detailed write-up on how I pulled this off soon. So stay tuned. Let's check out the photos for this here. So we have this first one where we have uh, a nicer up close and personal look at the Tiny Tindo. And here are the innards. And it looks like here there are custom PCBs for this from what I'm seeing. But also when it comes to the actual guts of this, this is real Nintendo hardware, which is awesome. Uh, I've never done one of these here, but I do like these projects. I do know that uh, he did the uh, open sourced original Nintendo boards, plus, uh, you know, doing the mods such as trimming the Wii's to get uh, portable Wii's or portable GameCube emulation on the side. Uh, those are really popular, so it's definitely cool seeing the innards on this. Uh, here we have, just looking at it though, we have an audio amp, uh, button PCB. This one doesn't have anything labeled in particular, but then you're able to see everything else here. I would say these are the actual guts of the system itself, and here you have the power management PCB. So this is a real big PCB and 3D printed sandwich, but overall super awesome to see here. I think that was the only other picture on that front. Uh, down here, he also states, Tiny Tindo utilizes real NES chips that have been physically cut and ground down smaller. A simple rundown is that I sand away the bottom of the chip until I hit the die and leads, then I cut the chip smaller with a Dremel. The end result is 10 by 10 by 2 millimeters and surface mountable, and you're seeing one of the chips here is smaller than a microSD card. He says here the cut chips are less than 7% of their original size by volume and area and fit on a PCB smaller than a Raspberry Pi 3. The cutting process is done entirely by hand. Good lord. And yeah, sure enough, you're seeing it right here. It is down to the actual die itself. 
and that's where they get transplanted on. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. Actually, yeah, you see the PPU and the CPU. So those are original right there. It was this big thing just fashioned down to this little thing and then plopped onto this PCB. That is awesome to see. Uh, Tiny Tindo uses custom mini cartridges designed for me by the awesome Bucket Mouse Bite. But the really cool thing about using real hardware for the handheld is I could use original carts with an adapter if I wanted to. And you're seeing right here, okay, that's cool. So, of course, banana for scale, but there is the original Nintendo cartridge, then the custom-sized little cartridge, and the little PCB right there, which it looks like this is just a custom-made PCB, and then it has some ROMs on it. And, of course, again, banana. That's that's important. <laughs> uh, down here, Tiny Tendo uses USB-C for charging and has a switch to set the voltage to 5V or 3V3 for power saving. It also has analog brightness control, implemented by the wonderful Yvetal Griffin. I, I'm trying there. I hope I got it close enough. Uh, it also uses a latching push switch for the power button as a homage to the original console. So real cool, yeah, you have the nice USB-C connection right there. I think he has one last tweet saying here, I actually messed around one day to see how small a NES motherboard could actually get, and was able to design one the same size as a Pi Zero. This is way over the line where it gets ridiculous and not practical though, and isn't worth using. Traces are on internal layers. So that is super cool to see. Very awesome overall. Like, super awesome thread just to check this out here. Uh, right now, at the time of all of this, uh, this original tweet was put up uh, May 24th. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be dropping this about a month afterwards. So maybe by the time this episode releases, there's going to be some more details on the Tiny Tindo here. Uh, however, if you want to check out some more things from him and more of his projects, uh, of course, I'm going to have this linked down below in the description. You can give him a follow on Twitter. Now, this was cool to see from Cluster M, a new development here. And if that name sounds somewhat familiar, uh, he is actually responsible for HackCheat, which is the program which allows you to easily modify the name. Nintendo and Super Nintendo Classic systems, as well as, of course, you know, the Famicom and Super Famicom uh, Classic, you know, like, Classic Mini systems there. Uh, either way, on this, he ended up releasing something here, which is a Famicom Disk System Drive emulator. Uh, for anybody who does not know, we're still on Nintendo news here, uh, but of course, over in Japan, it was called the Famicom, or the Family Computer, uh, but it also had a disk system, which used a, essentially floppy disks, uh, just, I'm kind of keeping it you know basic there uh, but here it's called the FDS key and it is stating here an open source low cost and easy to build Famicom disk system drive emulator featuring a sleek OLED display and this is how it is right here that's how it looks uh, it has up down left right buttons a nice little OLED display uh, and it clearly says FDS key on that so super awesome there scrolling down yeah we do see a better image of this and here he states how can you use it or how you can use it. You can run FDS disk images from a micro SD card, so you don't need the actual disks for that. Uh, you can dump disks using a physical FDS drive without additional hardware or cables. And you can write disks using a physical FDS drive without additional hardware or cables. It does require a Famicom, a Famicom Disk System RAM adapter, and a micro SD card. How to build it, you'll need a few low-cost components. So you got the circuit diagram here, as well as the bill of materials. 
And then there is the actual PCB itself. He has specifications showing the thickness for the PCB as well as uh, the microcontroller to use, the OLED display module that you can use, uh, and some more advice on like where to get it, like AliExpress, eBay, Amazon, all of this, uh, how exactly to solder it. And this is actually a really good guide overall here. Uh, and then of course the micro SD card push socket here. You can tell he's done a whole lot of work on this here, documenting the stabilizer, the SMD buttons, the resistors and capacitors, and then the plastic case. So really awesome here, and that's how the innards look at least when it's done, showing how you can flash the firmware, the actual device usage, so it looks like for the micro SD card, it can use FAT, FAT32, or XFAT, and you can put .fds files on there, and then go through everything you want to. Uh, looks like here we have all of the uh, options, so you're able to browse disk images, create a blank disk or settings, uh, you can go through a file browser, you can side select here, um, so like, because it was two-sided, those disks, so you could pick side A or side B, just like it was like a cassette tape, and then the current disk being emulated. There's a huge write-up on going through the settings menu, how to dump physical disks, and even how to write physical disks. These are really cool because if there's anything like you know, uh, anything like f such as saves, or maybe if there's a game out there that hasn't been found, although I think pretty much all of them have been found, you can dump that. But also one thing I've seen as well is that a lot of those FDS discs uh, do have write issues at times, or maybe even because they were technically rewritable, it could say it was one game, but it was actually another game on there. Uh, so what people have done is when they get them, they actually end up getting a clean version of the game, and they end up rewriting it on there if there's an issue. Uh, you can also check out the firmware updates and such and all the downloads, which we're going to go over to releases, see that here, and you have everything. So the 3D case models, uh, all of the firmware files itself, Gerbers, all of that. So this is a fully fleshed out project. Awesome to see. Uh, I do know at the bottom, I didn't want to just... Uh, gloss over this, but he also does have options where you can donate to him as well too. So if you like work like this, I'd recommend doing a donation. I will say a shout out to friend of the show here, Modsville USA. When I did see this, I did think of him because uh, he has a, he has a little bit of an affinity for the Famicom disk system. So uh, I think he'd like something like this. Now we're going to come up to modern day speed here, and we're going to actually be talking about switch emulation. Now, a couple episodes ago, I did talk about issues in regards to uh, the Switch, just because one of the main things from what I saw when uh, the Lockpick RCM tool ended up getting DMCA'd is we end up losing an emulator from that. There was one emulator developer who just decided to cease development on there. However, it seems like Yuzu has kept going here, in which there is now Yuzu on Android. Uh, so just reading this off here, they say, Hey there, Yuzuers. We are happy to announce that Yuzu is available today for Android. There's so much to discuss and show you. Let's get started. Where do I get it? If you're too excited, you can jump in immediately by downloading Yuzu from the Google Play Store. It looks like there's two of them, so regular Yuzu and early access. The GitHub releases aren't live yet, but we will edit this article with a link to the download once they are. This initial release won't have parity with the feature-rich desktop builds of Yuzu, but we are looking forward to introducing all the features you love as we fine-tune them for Android. Features such as multiplayer over LAN, LDN, input profiles, tool-assisted speedruns, etc. 
are not yet available. For now, we want to focus on compatibility and performance, as performing cutting-edge emulation on typical Android hardware has several challenges. If you're still reading, make sure to stick around for a little development history, expectations, and compatibility reports. So right here we have Breath of the Wild on a Samsung Galaxy S20 FE using the Mesa Turnup GPU driver versus a Samsung Galaxy S23 with a Qualcomm proprietary GPU driver. So kind of just looking at this here, there's that, there's this, wow. All right. It looks like the frame rate's about the same right here. You're getting 18.1. Here you get 19.4. Uh, however, right here, I would say this is probably what people would rather go for right here. And this, this is looking great so far. Now, we're not going to get into all of this here, but I did want to answer the why of this here with, you know, their own response. When asked why, they said, in the past year, we have made significant strides in improving both the accuracy and performance of Yuzu. And with many more such improvements in progress, we understand that the longer we waited, the more challenging it would become for us to support an Android build. With this public release, all future Yuzu development activities will account for and address both feature and platform compatibility for Android. This is expected to help facilitate and streamline our development process to better achieve our goal of platform independence. We hope to welcome Android developers interested in lending their expertise to a cutting-edge project and produce new Yuzu features, optimizations, and other improvements. And we see here during the character creator of uh, Skyrim, this is running at a solid 30 frames per second. So cool to see. If you want to give it a further read, I'm of course going to have it linked down below in the description of the video upload. And it has a whole lot of information here that you can check out. But I think this is a good way to end it as well too. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom is running at about 30 frames per second on this. We have plenty of media on here, but super awesome to see this overall. It's it's looking great at this point. I know there's still work to be done on here, but so far it's looking great. We also have some additional Switch news here with Switch Root Android R version publicly released, and it allows you to boot Android 11 on all Switch models. It says here over at this GBA temp uh, news here from Chari, uh, the first public release of Switchroot's Android R/11 version is here. Available as a beta, the Switchroot team has published a guide on how to run Android 11 or R on all models of hacked Nintendo Switch systems. You'll need to delete your previous Switchroot installation if you want to run it. With the new version offering better Wi-Fi consistency, more Joy-Con support, and quality of life improvements. This is a beta release, so bugs are expected, though the Switchroot developers claim that this is fairly stable as far as beta releases go. We can check out the source or guide here, and it brings us over to the Switchroot wiki, which, check this out, you're able to see this all here, walk through it all. It has really great instructions covering all of this here, how to partition, set up everything, and the nice thing is, We'll, we can scroll up a bit here. It does say here that you do need a RCM exploitable switch or a hard modded switch. So it's really awesome to see that this does indeed work on all versions of the switch. That would be uh, the, you know, original unpatched version, the patched core version, the light the OLED as well too, so everything. While this was not new here, this was shared out at one point on Twitter and it came across my feed, in which someone here had stated, another Super Nintendo game just got a PC port, this time this is Super Mario World. And we can see some photos of it right here. So you have this, you clearly have it, you know, running in the background right there, but you have this here. It is not emulation, this is a native port of it. It's not looking bad so far. 
Uh, we can close out of this here, and they do state, for any one interest, you have to compile by yourself and provide an original ROM file. Probably not recommended for a full playthrough since it's early in development, but here's the link. And there's even another mention here stating, fun fact, this port can also run the SNES versions of Super Mario Bros. 1 and Lost Levels as long as you're using the Devil branch. So checking this out, really awesome. Uh, we can take a look at the GitHub page as well, too. And there's not as much that's, you know, on the README itself, but it just says here they have a Discord server. It is simply called, it's on the SNES Rev uh, repo here. So it looks like they have a few different repositories, but the main one we are looking at is SMW, in which they say here they have a link to their Discord server. Early version, it has bugs and the code is messy. You must self-build for now. Easy method on Windows, no installs, terminal, or big downloads. You click the green button code download zip, so you have to go here, you download the zip here, place the USA ROM named smw.sfc in that folder, we have the CRC32 to check it, download TCC and SDL2 and extract each zip into the third party subfolder, double click run with TCC bat in the main directory, this will create supermarioworld.exe and run it, and then you configure it with an any file. So really awesome to see. Uh, it does say here, when running, it runs an emulated version in the background and compares the RAM state every frame. If it detects a mismatch, it saves a snapshot in saves and displays a counter on screen counting down from 300. Please submit these bug snapshots on Discord so that they can be fixed. That is cool. That's cool. All right. So when you're playing the game, it's not being emulated. You are playing a native version that's being ported. But in the background, it is running the same version of the game in emulation, so you're running two versions of the game at the same time. But then that's super cool, and that makes it really easy to compare and send to the dev team right there. That's an awesome idea. I, I love that. I haven't heard of that, but I love that. This was a bit of an oddity right here, but something that I think is welcome for people who are wanting to mess with something like this. Uh, this is over from Wololo.net, which is covering a PS Vita release, which is actually for the PS TV specifically. It's a keyboard and mouse driver uh, pronounced uh, TV key, it looks like, but it's spelled T-V-I-K-E-Y. It looks like developer iSage has released TV key, a PS TV kernel driver for mouse and keyboard. The the plugin lets you use a mouse and keyboard to control games on the PSTV. With additional hardware, needing here a USB adapter, the plugin can also be used on the regular Vita. I find it amazing that the PSTV is getting extended aftermarket life, no thanks to Sony. If you feel like it, you can still find the PSTV from some resellers, but in my experience at inflated prices, I definitely regret selling mine several years ago. That was directly from Wololo themselves. Here explaining it a bit further, TV key is a kernel driver plugin for the PSTV, aka Vita TV, that allows you to use a mouse and keyboard in-game. Although primarily intended for the PSTV, this tool can be used on a regular Vita as well, but you will need additional hardware to connect USB devices to your console. iSage gives details on this here. Okay, it looks like that's on GitHub, uh, but the plugin comes with a config file that you can modify to associate the bindings that work for you for each game and title ID. Oh, that's cool. All right, so you can map it to individual games. That's awesome. The developer has shared a video of the plugin in action playing Killzone. All right, let's see this. All right, I've blown this up here, but let's actually see this. And yeah, they have a keyboard and mouse. And sure enough, that is what it is. This is a Killzone being played on a PSTV. 
with a keyboard and mouse. That is awesome to see. It actually seems to uh, work better than I was expecting it would work here but really awesome. There is setup instructions on here, but if you're familiar with setting up any kind of plugins on the PSTV or the Vita, uh, this is really going to be about the same thing, except there is a tvkey.ini file right there. Uh, and let's go ahead and check out the GitHub as well too. I'll go ahead and check out the main repository. Looks like again, this is a kernel driver, so no, there's no mouse to touch translation. So that is good to know here. It does have some instructions again for installing or building if you want to. And if you go over to the releases, you have that right there. So really awesome to see. So I don't typically link Kickstarter related things on here. However, I thought this was kind of a mix between, you know, something commercial and something that is uh, homebrew related. This is actually a new Game Boy homebrew game that is going to be coming out here soon from the Mega Cat Studios team. Uh, now, full disclosure on here, I have worked with Mega Cat Studios before. They actually contacted me in regard to this game, uh, and they'd actually sent over a little prototype cartridge of the demo for me to check it out. I have checked it out a bit. It is pretty cool, and I even, uh, you know, dumped out the ROM directly from it and did a little VC inject on my 2DS, so I was able to play it there. But they do games on older systems, one of them being Coffee Crisis, for example, on the Sega Genesis, and that was actually a game a few years ago they sent me a copy of and a friend and I played through a bit of it here on the channel. So they did link me to Kudzu on here over on Kickstarter and I figured you know this might be something that people are interested in on here. Now that is to say I'm not being paid to promote this or anything. All they did they did contact me. They did send me one of these little cartridges here which was cool uh, but of course you know they're trying to get more backers and all that. So I understand that more eyes on it is always a good thing for them. But either way you can check this out. We're just even reading this up top. It says that Kudzu is a brand new non linear adventure game for the Game Boy inspired by a real-life encounter with Mother Nature. You are Max the Apprentice Gardener on an epic trek through fields, gardens, forests, villas, and mountains covered with kudzu, a known globally invasive plant species. Zoin, a master gardener and your mentor, has wandered into the fast-growing kudzu field and mysteriously disappeared. It is up to you and your arsenal of gardening tools such as a rake, hoe, and machete to hack your way through the overgrowth and bring Zoin back. So you have more information on this that you can of course check out. But the other cool thing is too, if you want to give this a shot, well, there's actually a demo of it available. Uh, you can check this out right here, and in the demo section there is a ROM that's available here. You can click on it, and there's a few ways that you can play this if you want to try it out yourself. You can click on Run Game, and just like what we saw with the Zelda's Adventure Homebrew before, they ended up having on this webpage here a Game Boy emulator and the actual demo ROM here that you can play. And of course, if you do want to play it offline, of course, you can come down here and you can download the actual Game Boy ROM itself. Now, this isn't the full game. This is a demo on here and you can play on an emulator or a flash cartridge, whatever you want to do. So that's why it's one of those things. They've definitely hit their goal with a Kickstarter. But if anybody would be interested in checking out and supporting some commercial style homebrew like this, Kudzu might definitely be a great option. And if you're not sure about it, you can always give it a try right here. Now, at the end of these episodes of Mod Chat, I do like to cover something 
that I find weird, wacky, cool, funny, interesting, just off the wall in the world of modding. Uh, there's been several things overall. I think one of my favorites I've covered was still when it was uh, using a custom firmware PSP on a school's, uh, it was a specifically like a university's website to use and show some instructions on there. That's still probably one of my favorites. However, uh, you might be wondering why I'm on this weird McDonald's looking site. Don't worry, I'm not being paid by McDonald's to promote them by any means. If anything, they take money from me when I occasionally do get them, and McDonald's is okay for the most part. However, I'm bringing this up here because this ended up making news. We just talked about a new Game Boy game in the form of Kudzu, and would you believe that this here is also a Game Boy game? Uh, you see, it is Grimace's birthday, which is being celebrated this month, and it looks like they just did a huge throwback to really, like, early aughts and like late 90s internet. Uh, they do have an official website right here from Cruel Toys, it looks like. However, this is, of course, you know, through the McDonald's Corporation and all that. Uh, I love how this is set up all small. It has, this just looks identical to an old website, and a website from like 25 years ago. It looks identical to that. However, the important thing about this website is not just that you can send it to a friend or you can vote to see if you've seen this man, uh, but there's a game that you could play, which is Grimace's Birthday. And the reason why I'm highlighting this here is because you can click on Play Game, and this is actually the exact same thing. This here is a Game Boy emulator running on this website, and inside this Game Boy emulator is a Game Boy Color ROM that was developed, it, it, it is a, this here, <laughs> this here is a new Game Boy game that has been released by the McDonald's Corporation. Now, you can't download it off of here, unfortunately, unless you have, like, a little bit of know-how on this. However, I can even, you know, press the A button. It is, um, Z, excuse me. It is, of course, optimized mainly for playing it on a PC like this, However, if you are able to download it, the funny thing is, I'm just kind of running through a little bit of it right here. Again, this is an emulator. It is playing a ROM. And if you end up pulling down the ROM, you're able to play it offline on your own Game Boy hardware or even play it on your own emulator if you so choose to. Now, apparently this is a Game Boy Color game, but when it's downloaded, it has a .gb extension for just regular Game Boy. So from what I can tell, you're able to play it on both the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. It's just if you play it on the Game Boy Color as a Game Boy Color ROM, you're able to experience it in full color. But if you're playing it on a regular Game Boy, you're not going to get that full color palette. Uh, that's what I've seen at least on there. Um, I just had it set up as a Game Boy Color game. But either way, uh, I bet people weren't really expecting this in 2023 the McDonald's Corporation ended up having a licensed Game Boy homebrew developed for them and then ended up releasing it on this site here. Well, releasing it kind of, sort of, at least. Uh, you can't, again, you can't just like straight up download it, unfortunately. There's not like a button you can click to download it. But what I'm saying here is that they have a Game Boy emulator here. They have a Game Boy, like a licensed Game Boy game in 2023. <laughs> Uh, all I have to say to that is, uh, happy birthday, Grimace. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all had a good time listening and watching and being entertained and maybe learning something along the way as well, too. Now, if you've made it to the end of this episode, congratulations. If you do not know, I like to have a keyword or a key phrase at the end of each episode, so that way you can use it in a comment on one of the video uploads, and I'll know that you've made it to the end. Now, typically, I kind of just grab something off my desk, so you know what? This is what we're going to be doing, right? 
Here we go. I was going to say cartridge, but how about max? If you use the word max in the comment on the YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey uploads of this, I will know that you've made it to the end. And if you are just listening to the audio-only version of this show, well, don't worry. You can come over to one of the uploads and feel free to leave the keyword max. Have you played Max Payne? Is your name Max? Do you know anybody named Max? Do you like to dial up all of your sound and audio and visual what about sound audio audio visual settings to the max what do you like to do are you one of those people where you just turn up what is it what is that one setting that is not super great sharpness if you just turn up sharpness all the way to max on tvs do you do that because i don't recommend doing that have you seen that one shiba on youtube named max that looks kind of like a small version of lily and is hilarious because his owner does like really awesome just like edits and all that stuff uh, let me know. Use the keyword max in the comment on the upload and I'll know that you've made it to the end of this. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. Thank you all very much for listening and watching. If you enjoyed it, a like would absolutely be appreciated. If you didn't, a dislike is fine as well too. But as I always say, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching everyone. And until next time.